What's going on, man? What's going on with you? Not too much. Uh, not too much at all, actually. The van looks nicer than the last time I was here. Well, that's because you're in a nice, comfortable, rotated seat now. Yeah, the swizzle seat. Sw- swivel, swizzle seat. No. <laughs> Gotta get your words right, man. I'm working on it. All right, I'm not going to drink coffee either because apparently people can hear that. I finished mine. Well, uh, yeah. You ready for me to talk a lot? Please do. That'd be great. I think our, our podcast audience really loves your talking. I think you really like my talking. I, well, I'm part of our podcast audience. So <laughs> you're, a, you're an unfortunately large part of <laughs> Disproportionately large. I probably listen to it twice as much as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, so welcome to the Self-Beta Podcast, One Man's Journey to Untangle the Knot that is the climbing world with his co-host, co-host whom occasionally knows the answers to his climbing-related questions. Didn't we edit that? No whom. Sorry, I forgot. This is a very old thing. I'm going to edit it again right here. Done. I won't make the same mistake. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so uh, welcome. Let's learn more about the climbing world through violent knee slaps. I'm going to try and re- you know restrain from my violent knee slaps. Maybe a couple of small knee slaps here and there, but I'll do my best. Do you know how many times you slapped your knee already? At least four. No, just one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, let's jump right in. Um, First, can you describe where we are? We are in Hurricane Utah. In the van. In the oh, in the van. <laughs> I thought you wanted me. No, I wanted both. Be more specific. Whichever one. We you- are in a lovely cedar paneled Sprinter van. Yeah, that is incredibly messy. But now has a fridge and a swivel seat. A swivel seat. Yes. I got it right. Uh, for those of you who don't understand why I'm so excited about that, I have been trying to say swivel all weekend and instead have been saying swizzle. Which apparently is like a coding term. Yeah, it's used in, in my profession of iOS development. You can swizzle between uh, storyboards and view controllers. And it's it's a term used when you, you do a segue, the segue has a swizzle. Um, I think that's the technical term. If not, it's related to our code base and I'm giving away trade secrets. But uh, but it is. A, See, a I know it as a much more like a swizzle stick is like a something you would use to stir a drink. I just sure, but like I don't think about it like that. I think about it like code. That's when I th- hear the word swizzle. That's what I think. We're something just, that goes to something else, and the seat turns around. It goes from forward to backward. It swizzles. No, yeah, in my world, it does. Um, <laughs> tight. I'm not editing that out. We're keeping that forever. That's fair. So we're in Utah. Yes. Um, we both drove here independently. We did. Um, In fact, you called me and said, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, I'm leaving for Utah tomorrow. And you said, can I come? I'll meet you there. And you said, sure. And then I... Fine. Then I drove out here. Um, If if, if your presence doesn't affect my plans, I'm all for it. I don't know if it did affect your plans, because today you did spend time with me going around uh, Zion National Park. Yeah, I probably would not have if uh, it hadn't been raining so much that we couldn't really climb. Right, but if if it had been raining so much, you could like if it were raining, but I wasn't here. What would you have done? Uh, I don't know. I would probably have just hung out and done work in a coffee shop somewhere. So okay, I'll take that. What I did as an improvement on that, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. So we're in Utah. Why? Why did? Why are we in Utah? Why'd you pick Utah? Well, I actually initially my plans for this week uh, were to go up to Bend, Oregon, and climb at Smith Rock, 
it's kind of a good season to go to Smith. Uh, the temps are generally really good this time of year, like around 50s, which is pretty good for sport climbing. Okay. Uh, especially if you want to do anything that's like going to be in the sun for any length of time. Doesn't Ben, isn't Ben like really famous for skiing? Doesn't have like a lot of skiing? Beats me, man. Okay. I don't know of Ben as being famous for skiing. But they do have great... I only know Ben from a climbing standpoint. They have great climbing. By the way, the noise that you can hear in the background, sorry, that's my refrigerator. So, you know, in the film industry, what people do, the sound guys go in and unplug refrigerators in in the house if you're filming in someone's house. Really? And the trick that I think is really cool is they put their keys to whatever the transportation vehicle is in the fridge. That way, they never forget to turn the fridge back on when they leave. That's very convenient. I could turn my fridge off, but I think I'm not going to. I think I'm just going to deal with the annoying noise in the middle of our podcast. Well, we are not so professional as a uh, network TV show. So Yet. If we get sponsored and start making you know a million dollars an episode, then I will make sure the refrigerator is off. Okay. I would probably also invest in... A million dollars an episode? Yeah. Oh, man. You're taking that as 500000 I'm just pointing that out there. You get half a million. I get half a million dollars per episode? If I make a million, if we make a million for the episode, you're half of the episode, you make 500000 I feel like this podcast would have to reach a much larger audience. Than the 12 people that we already reach? Yeah, I think you're right. I think a million dollars an episode is kind of ambitious, seeing as currently we make zero dollars per episode. I think, no, we co- it costs us money per episode like we have to get together it takes time it takes effort i have you, to host you it bought somewhere. a microphone you're yeah. hosting it on a website yeah it costs us money it's not free but uh yeah we make no money so uh so if you want to sponsor the south bit of podcast uh please reach out to me my email is zachary at zachary c.com and uh taking and, invitations for and sponsorship no one will reach out due to the fact that we just stated that we have a very tiny listener base we have like 12 people yeah but one of them listens to us while he rows and loves it a lot okay so okay, so we're in we're in Utah because Ben was had bad weather this week. Yeah, Ben's weather was looking really nasty, and about a week and a half ago, uh, one of my partners on this trip was like, "Hey, dude, it's looking bad. Like, maybe let's try, you know, the Virgin River Gorge and Vegas instead." And you know, the expectation is that so we're talking about you know Southwest United States desert, um, and so we're hoping you know the idea was we'd get better weather out here and. And it's been raining. And it's been raining. So we got in on Friday night, climbed yesterday in the Hurricane Cave, or the Hurricane. Yeah, Hurricane. Uh, which was a neat spot. The rock was not my favorite. Uh, limestone, super overhung, cool cool movement when you're on the rock, no doubt about that. Yeah. Interesting holds, uh, but it was a little sketchy. I felt sketched out based by the groups that were there there were people there who just didn't give off like a like safe climber vibe to me and that made me feel a little bit uh uneasy and the rock wasn't so solid so that made me feel uneasy as well uh but i you know i got fun on the routes that i got on and uh but uh when it when i woke up to rain this morning no one was super psyched really on going back to the hurricane cave today so uh instead uh, took a rest day with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I uh, got up this morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, snoozed several times, which is unlike me, uh-huh. but I was tired off of the whiskey from last night, mm-hmm. um, and uh, went up to Zion and shot some pictures. 
which yeah. was which was nice. You know, it was good to go to Zion. I'd never been before, so I got there this morning. Then I came back, and then we decided to go back again and ride the bus. Yeah, we uh, Zion is a, a you know a long narrow valley, uh, kind of like Yosemite Valley. It's a mm-hmm. little shorter than Yosemite Valley. Um, not as developed inside, and yeah. not as big inside either, and uh, they have gone to something that's been considered in Yosemite, which is basically not allowing private vehicles to drive down the road into the into the canyon, and have it all the entry be by shuttle buses. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I actually hadn't been down the canyon for a few years because since they instituted the shuttle bus thing, so. I drove through Zion last year, uh, but didn't go down the canyon, and it was nice to go go down. So what I actually heard, if you paid attention on the last bus we were on, they said that during the week they don't run the buses. So during the week you can ride, you can drive down. That is correct during certain seasons. So yeah. I think that this being a holiday weekend, they they got the buses going. Yeah. Um, whereas you know in the winter season. Uh, th- during the week, it's much less crowded in there, and so they they allow private cars down there. It's just like I mean, you look around in there. There's just not that much parking. No, there really wasn't. And so there, I mean, there, there was unused stuff at the lodge, but like that that wasn't all the spaces. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like just like when you start looking at those popular like trailhead spots, like there's like hardly any place to park your car, and you know you think about the number of people that want to climb like Angel's Landing, and so super super well-known hike very popular uh mm-hmm. and there's like 10 parking spots at the trailhead for that and to be fair today was a rainy kind of miserable day if it hadn't been a raising miserable day there would have been even more people than we saw there so so okay so your friend tells you let's go to utah instead of bend because we think the weather's going to be better when you when you get that is there something like had you you've been here before you've climbed here before you've said uh, no first time climbing here you're, you're shaking your head no f- to, to having climbed here before. I had not climbed here before. Okay. I don't know how you got that impression. I Well, because you said that you came here and you hiked Zion before, which is true, but that's not necessarily mean you climbed. Yep, totally different. Okay. So this is your first time here climbing? Uh, yeah, in this area specifically, I've never climbed. It's mainly, there's a lot of sport climbing around here, a little bit of track climbing. Um, well, there's a ton of track climbing in Zion. Uh, but like the surrounding areas, there's a lot of like st- sport, sporty limestone climbing, and there's some bouldering out around this area as well. Oh, really? But uh, I've never, never done the bouldering. In my most of my climbing in Utah has been either uh, a number of trips to Joe's Valley or like a week long trip to Maple that I made a few years ago. So okay, so uh, coming down here with a group, we had I I jumped on at the last minute, and I'm the kind of non climber photographer ish type. Uh-huh. Um, but we have several really, really experienced climbers down here. And so, like, I'm hitting out with this group, and um, there are a couple of terms that I want to go over that I just didn't understand. And some of them I got into some arguments with you about and just want to make sure we're on the same page for our listeners who, like me, some of them don't really know a ton about climbing. Yeah, I mean, lots of lots of climbing lingo thrown around. I yeah, mean, so it happens like, when you get a group and they all kind of, like, know what it means. And so they're... Was, uh, someone uh, someone was actually talking to me recently about the uh, the way that you talk and you have to sort of establish terms and they use the the phrase or the the term abstraction meaning uh, you know how much information can you pack into a single word uh, you know and and the thing is is that you know 
that happens in all aspects of life. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to build the knowledge base for you to understand what that word means and then apply it in other situations. So the first word that I would like to bring up, because this was one that kind of was vexing me a little bit, was uh, the word chossy. Chossy. I thought, I thought like, hey, this is just another word for loose, and you're kind of vexing me using, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, using another word for loose. You've, you felt that the use of the word chossy was a deliberate attempt to annoy you? I felt like it was a, a deliberate... <laughs> like to make you feel like a Gumby? Like, oh, like man, you don't know what that word means? <laughs> Gumby or stupid, yeah. No. I mean, chassis is a, a definition, a, a word that people use to mean rock that is untrustworthy or dangerous. Um, I think that's that would be kind of the, the loose definition of it. And then, you know, like, obviously loose rock would be deemed chassis. <laughs> Right, and that's where uh, I kind of got confused. But, but rock that would easily break is also deemed chossy. Yeah, so rock that would easily break to me still feels like, I guess for me I didn't know about the term chossy. I would have just called it loose before, but really it's chossy. That's the word. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think your concern was like, well, like so if something would break off easily, that means it's loose. And it's like, well, no, it's not the case. Especially like, oh, okay, so for example, Zion, right? Yeah. We're talking about sandstone sandstone when it gets wet tends to be more friable more able to break easily and you don't have to pull on it as hard so if we're talking like wet sandstone can be breakable whereas no no additional cracks have appeared right it's not the if you go up and touch the rock it's fully attached just the way it was before it's not in any way loose but you're more able, like, the, just the strength of the rock is less, and you're able to break it off. Yeah. Now, if you have rock that, I mean, it's understandable, wet sandstone is wet sandstone. But if you have rock that is in that state already, where you it's something that you could break off relatively easily, Yeah. you would consider that to be chossy rock. Even if there's no cracks, it's not, a, it's not an individual thing that could be pulled out. It's something that has to actually, a new fracture is created by you pulling on it. So that's like breaking rather than being loose. Yeah. I guess for me, the this is I, I'm glad I have the term now, but for me, the way that I have always envisioned it is that loose for me means rock that I don't trust, which is not necessarily loose. Like doesn't mean it wiggles, but it means to me it's it's rock that I don't trust. Chossy yeah. is a great term for that, and I'm glad I have it. Yeah, I think loose, you know, sometimes people will refer to rock that is chossy or might break easily as being loose. Mm -hmm. uh, but like if you're... If you're up there climbing in like areas like Yosemite, getting on these long things, and you say there's loose rock, you literally mean rock that is stacked on top of something and is not falling off yet, but could fall off because it's not attached to anything. Like, yeah. Unattached rock is what you would consider loose rock. Or maybe rock that is attached, but only very, very lightly. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like you, Texas. you can get things that are like wedged behind things or things that are just sort of like resting on the wall, but kind of completely detached yeah. or something that like, you know, is a, a big flake, maybe like the size of like as tall as me, but only has like about six inches of actual attachment down at the bottom. Like that yeah. would be considered a loose flake that you would be concerned about. Okay. So that was a great term. Chossy. We're adding it to our vocabulary. Okay. Uh, the other term that I didn't know that I should have known uh, was campus. Yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, another term that came up that I, again, should have known but didn't know. Uh, what is campusing? Well, so the, the term campus derives from the campus board. Uh, a campus board, I, I believe the reason that it's called the campus board is because, you know, it was like a training tool that someone built on a campus somewhere. And I don't know if it was a college campus or something like that. Uh, but the campus board is essentially a, uh, a angled board, slightly overhanging, uh, and it has a bunch of rungs on it, usually made out of wood. And you, uh, they, you can vary the size of the rungs, but essentially the goal is to just grab onto the rungs and pull from one rung to the other on mm -hmm. the way up. And you can do a bunch of different exercises on a campus board, uh, but you essentially you build the board so that the bottom of the board is about level with your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little higher, depending on how you're, how you're building and how tall you are. Uh, and you can just grab the lowest rung and start pulling up to the next rungs, and there's nowhere for your feet. Now, there's an advantage to having footholds for a campus board um, for certain exercises, but in general, you're meant to be able to do movements and not be using your feet on it. And so the term campusing came from that like the the way you train on a campus board is climbing with no feet and therefore campusing is climbing with no feet right and so you can campus things other than a campus board yep and that's what we were talking about last night but i didn't know what it was and i felt like a noob for at least five or so minutes before i felt comfortable enough asking and it's like i just i need to know the answer to this before i can move on so i'll ask um that's a good good thing to do yeah yeah I don't. I don't feel too bad about it. Uh, it's not something that you would uh, engage in too often. Me? No, no. Yeah. I'm. I'm a. I'm a legs climber right now. So yeah, yeah. definitely get, not going to do a lot of campusing. Um, Did you know there's a campus board at Sunnyvale? Yeah, I trained on it. You trained on the campus board. Not like the pulling up and reaching, but I'll hang on the campus board for some finger training that Adriel has been you, working on. You, you were on the campus board, but you didn't know what campusing was. Yeah. I guess it doesn't make, you know, I don't know. Like, campusing, maybe it, it wasn't related to the board. I don't know. <laughs> Just wasn't putting two and two together. Didn't, mm. didn't make sense. You've known this knowledge for a long enough time that it, you know, makes sense for you. All right. Um, okay. So that's interesting. Uh, other thing that I thought was great, so I got to go out. I showed up super late yesterday. I showed up um, about... 3.30 in the afternoon uh -huh. because of various uh, mishaps while driving across uh, for me. Sure. Uh, um, and I, I got up to this cave, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good cave. I'm excited about it. But I didn't bring a harness or shoes, and I'm really glad I didn't because if I had, I would have been very disappointed. Everything there was uh, far beyond my grade level. Like, it was, I think the easiest thing was, uh, the warrant was a 11 And the book calls it 11D slash 12A. Okay. So that's beyond what I could do. So if you're coming here and you're like me and you're not a very great climber, watch out for that place. What was it called again? The Hurricane. Hurricane. It was a really nice hike, though. It was like a nice hike up. I got a little bit of a workout. I actually worked up a ton of sweat or up the hike for some reason. It's. I mean, the, the trail basically goes straight up the hillside to this cave that's perched up there. And so yeah. it's it's not... It's it's steep. It was steep, and it was... It, the The ground was very loose so it was like kind of precarious on the way up um but i had a good time i didn't think the ground was that bad on the trail the trail was actually better than i thought it would be okay and the the steep sections were mostly rock but uh if you got off the path at all things were not solid yeah i'm pretty sure i got off the path a couple of times on the way up and then yeah. somehow found my way back onto it 
But I, I mean, I still had a good time up there, and it was nice to to see you guys climbing and see some of that really fancy overhung stuff. Like that's yeah. Someday I'd like to be able to do that. That was that was cool. Yeah, you gotta train for it. It's it's uh, there's a lot of endurance involved in that stuff. Yeah, I I thought it was really neat. It's a neat feature because some of the climbs are just like super super overhung horizontal like uh yeah i bled one of our one of the guys with us this weekend on a route that was like seven eight bolts long and i don't think that the i think that the first clip and the last clip were like the same elevation <laughs> like i think the the climb went up about like a foot to two feet to like the fifth bolt and then descended a little bit to the last bolt and it was like it's just like 40 or 50 feet of complete horizontal roof climbing it was it was pretty awesome to watch it was really it was really exciting i got to see a couple of them i think the other thing that that kind of interests me while i was watching you were belaying um the guy that you were belaying um and he was going up and climbing and i'm like i'm concerned about the length of the rope because the drop from the end of the of the last bolt like of the anchor at the end it's all the way to the ground is pretty far down like it, uh-huh. it looked like it looked like it was more. It looked like more lengthened from you to where he was. Well, but remember that the the route actually traversed along the ceiling, mm-hmm. right? So you, as long if the route's going that way, you don't need as much rope to get down as you would expect. You don't need double length. Does that make sense? You don't need double length. So if you're length. if you're going horizontal, that's only if the it's only if the base is where you were. But the base for where he was getting lower down was way below where you were. I think we had a really long rope. You did have a long rope, but I was concerned. Like I was like, "Oh, this you would need a longer rope than I would initially expect for this." Oh, okay. And and it's like you know, I, again, I'm most of my lead climbing at this point or sport climbing ish stuff is in the gym, and that stuff. Uh, but you know what you do in a place like that if your rope isn't maybe not long enough, they usually will just take a whip from the and not clip the chains. Okay. Like get to the chains, take a whip. Uh, so that you're you're lowering from a lower point, um, and these uh, these roots in there, the draws are fixed. Yeah, which it doesn't which, like you have to be careful and make sure that your gear that the fixed gear is in good condition. But that's that's what a lot of people will do. Like you know, you get to that last anchor. If you have a super long rope or you want to rappel, you can clip the anchor and then go down. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're just working the route and you, or if you know about it, you can take that whip. We saw a guy do it yesterday. So I think the thing that was interesting for me, cause I, I also hadn't seen that before. And by whip, I mean fall. Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't seen that before. I hadn't seen the fixed gear placed for you. Like I thought that was a little odd. Like that's a new thing for me. I haven't, I've never been to a sport route that has what is basically the, you know, stuff already set so it basically has already the um quick draws quick draws already on the on the route yeah it's it's really common in places where the roots are really hard and really steep because the steepness of the root uh the steeper the root is the harder it is to clean a root okay um and then difficulty also makes cleaning hard as well. So you have two options when you're trying to clean a root is you, well, there's, there's more than two, but the main ones are you lower down from the anchor and you take your gear off as you lower down. Mm-hmm. Now, if your root is slightly overhanging, less than overhanging, uh, or dead vertical, it's pretty easy. 
um, to just, you know, reach over, grab your draw, unclip it, clip it to your harness, lower down to the next one. Mm -hmm. You can also repel, which is better on your anchors, but, uh, you know, depends on what anchors are up there. But you set up your repel, and then you, as you repel down, you just grab your draws as you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you have, you belay someone on top rope, and they take the stuff out on their way up, and then come down. Right, but with the steep stuff, that becomes harder. The steep stuff, uh, you know, especially, you know, the steep stuff, it's almost impossible to do by lowering because you have to like pull yourself down the rope and then you're under tension and then you unclip this draw and then you like pull back on the rope again. It's really, it's really awkward. And especially like something like what our friend Mark did yesterday going horizontal like that, it's almost impossible yeah to go back the way you came and clean clean your stuff and also it would have been a terrible idea for him because at the end when he unclipped the last draw he would have swung out in the middle of the cave right um and that would be bad so it would have been a really horrible idea to do um he could have belayed someone on top rope to follow him but the route was so hard uh i like i wouldn't have been able to do it right i mean i could have maybe done it um you know, in short sections, I don't, I, none of the moves were super hard in themselves. So I probably could have actually, I'll take it back and say that I probably could have like made all the moves. Yeah. I don't think I could make the moves all in a row, but one after the other, I could, I could have go bolt to bolt or something like that. Well, so I think the, the thing was, so the gear was already there. Like it wasn't your gear. Exactly. I was just explaining why the gear is already there. So who, who like the first person who climbs it, sets it and leaves it. Or like, do people leave it over time? Like, can people take it off the like? What's the what's the climber ethic there? Uh, for the main part, you you leave the fixed gear in place. The people that climb there a lot will usually do what they can to take care of their crags, um, you know, and replace fixed gear that's getting worn out, especially on routes that they try a bunch. Usually, like let's say someone is like working working on a project, they'll know like they'll know the gear pretty intimately, and they'll be like, I don't like this one anymore, and they'll replace it. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, when someone is doing the first ascent, they will install gear that will last for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. especially if they're, you know, spending a long time projecting it because it's really hard. Yeah. And there's some really hard stuff in that cave. Oh yeah. It's like a 14 C or 14 D. There were a couple of really hard things in that cave. There was a bunch that looked really intimidating, but it looked like a lot of fun. I would love to be able to do that someday. I don't think I ever will be. I mean, I, I don't think I, I think f- in part that's up to you, like the, you know, changing, changing, you know, you're already working towards changing your level of fitness, yeah, changing your, your overall body type a little bit. And, and if you really want to be able to climb stuff like that, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not what you're, super hard. It's what you're willing to sacrifice to get there. And I think for me, climbing is therapeutic, but for me, climbing is about getting to places that I can't like haven't seen before. So for example, when we were talking about climbing Zion today, when we were Uh riding through the thing and you're like, this is really difficult stuff. I am way more engaged in trying to do the difficulty that's associated with getting up the wall at Zion so I can get to the top of a pillar or whatever, uh, than I am at like doing the crazy overhung stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think what drives me as well. I really enjoy this stuff. I love pushing myself to new levels of difficulty and new levels of physical accomplishment, um, whether it be through this or something, some other means. But, um, you know, alpine is the kind of climbing that really drives me. And that's all about 
um, the views and the position and the feeling I get from being up there. And, and it's, I, I don't have the same drive to do super hard sport climbs and especially like, you know, the hurricane cave, like there were cool climbs in there, but like, I didn't really like the spot that much. The view yeah. is, is pretty and it's kind of unique. It's a cool pos- like place to be, but, um, I took just a- like, I didn't, I didn't like being in there that much and, and I didn't like the rock quality that much. So like, I wouldn't just be like, Oh man, like that seemed like there was that great of climb that was super doable and like cool movement. And I just, I got to go back there. Like I would seek out a similar level of movement and climb in a location that I liked being in more. So that leads me to kind of the next thing that I had about being there. So I climbed up there late. I was there later than everybody else. I showed uh-huh. up around three thirty, and I walked myself up there. I think by the time I got there, it was probably four. Uh-huh. Um, and I felt really like I felt really intimidated, kind of in that setting, because I'm in this wall in this place. I didn't even bring a harness. Everybody else has a harness and climbing shoes. I don't know if everybody else can climb all that stuff, but there was a lot of stuff in there. Like there was nothing in there that I could climb, and I felt. I felt like almost embarrassed, like sitting there with these amazing climbers watching them climb. And I guess maybe that's not an appropriate feeling, but do, do, do people like, do, is there a code of honor or like a code of conduct for someone in my position who is there spectating and, you know, really doesn't want to get in anybody's way, wants to be polite, but also wants to experience it, like just witness. And I, that's all I was. I was kind of witnessing it. I'm I mean, saving it for personal motivation for later. Uh, I think that, you know, in that respect, just, you know, I'm trying to think of how, how to phrase this, but you just, I mean, people don't mind like talking about what they're doing. Um, I think there are certain questions that climbers don't like answering. Okay. What questions should we avoid? Uh, I mean, like, did I ask any bad questions? I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think so. So I think if I had, you probably would have remembered. I would remember it, yeah. I think, I mean, I think you were fine. I don't, I didn't think anything of of you being there, but like, uh, you know, I think that climbers don't like having their achievements uh, overblown for the most part. So like, if you're like, oh man, that was amazing, you know, when someone sends the warm up climb, like people are kind of like, eh, like, uh, like, I don't feel like explaining why it's not amazing, you know, like I don't feel explaining why, like, you know, like it's not as cool as you're making it out to be. I think those are things that people are kind of like, you know, if someone's psyched on something they did, it's cool to congratulate them. But like read the vibe and read what's going on. Yeah, that that's probably the good way to read the vibe. Um, you know, don't, don't be annoying. Yeah. The second one's harder for me, but reading the vibe is, is something I, I can work on. Okay. Um, yeah, there were I, th- so there were uh, there were a bunch of other groups other than our group there. Uh-huh. Um, I had never met. Oh any- yeah, don't talk about gym climbing. <laughs> don't talk about gym climbing. Yep. Okay, that that would be the number one thing. I think if you're at a crag outside, people don't want to hear about the gym. Okay. Did I talk specifically about the gym that much? I don't think you did at all. Okay, but I'm just saying that that's something I've noticed is that like, you know it. If you're outside trying to climb something, no one wants to hear how good you are in the gym, how good you are in the gym, what you do in the gym, what you're, whether or not you're comparing it to what's going on outside. It's cause like it's different enough that people are just like, 
Like I don't. We don't want to talk about. It. We don't want to hear it. Got it. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting place to be. Um, the other thing was so there were other groups of people other than our group. Yeah, and there was, were a bunch of other people there. It was uh, the the other groups were were interesting. One of the guys uh, did a paraglide off the off the top of where we were, which was pretty awesome. It's very scary, but pretty awesome. Why would you say off the top of where we were? Like he did it from the bottom of where we were. Well, okay, so we were up on this little hill. He did it from the bottom of the hurricane, like. Yeah, but we it was were all, still. We were all inside the cave, and then he took off from slightly below us. It was it was impressive, but scary. Yeah, I don't know. He he like walked with his parachute backpack all the way up to the top of the cave. I thought he was gonna try and launch out of the top of the cave. I thought this is like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and then he went down to the the very opening of the cave to launch. Yeah. Have so you... I mean, like, I think in some respects it seemed cool. It's a, definitely an easier way than walking down to yeah. get down. Seemed like a lot of work. Yeah. For he was probably in the air for like two minutes. Not even. I would say a minute. Like yeah. it, it was a quick it was a quick trip down. Still, I mean, it looks like a fun thing to do. I'm not sure about the risk for me. Um interesting way to get off a off a thing. Yeah. Um I would be more apt to doing that than wingsuiting. That's for sure. And uh, I think yeah, I don't think there's very many wingsuiters out there. And not at this stuff, but like at Yosemite, there's wingsuits and stuff like that. It's like illegal in Yosemite. It does doesn't stop people from doing it. I've never seen any videos of people doing it in Yosemite. Uh, that's how Dean Potter died. I don't believe that's true. Yeah. He was wingsuiting in Yosemite. I am like ninety percent sure of this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this right now. We're gonna live fact check with uh, with this, and I should start a bet on this because I'm pretty sure that I'm right. But let's just I'm, see. I'm not. I'm not that confident about it. Okay. Uh, okay. So Dean Putter died in uh, the Great Climber died Saturday uh, while attempting a wingsuit flight from Yosemite Taft Yosemite's Taft Point. Oh, that's true. I didn't know that. On Saturday evening, May sixteenth, base jumper Dean Putter and Graham Hunt. I mean, there's a whole bunch of theory about what happened. I'm not going to get into the speculation for that, but it's. Um, yeah, that, that happens. So, I mean, people do it. I, that's not on my list of things to try. Well, it's ever. illegal to do. I'll say that, and for exactly the reason that people can die from it. Yeah. Well, and that, like I'm pretty I said, sure paragliding but, in Yosemite is also illegal. Yeah, it's all illegal. But uh, what I'm saying is that I don't think there's that many wingsuiters out there. And your your assertion that Dean Potter that this one person died in this one incident wingsuiting does not mean does not refute the fact that I don't think there's actually that many people that do the wing wingsuit stuff. That's that's true. I would be like, oh, here's this one time that it happened in Yosemite. Like so Would you agree that the popularity of wingsuiting is growing over time? Of course. Okay. That's the point that I'm making is that over time it's growing and it, it becomes a more prevalent thing. I'd be more likely to pick up paragliding than I would be wingsuiting. But neither of them are high on my list. Right. The the risk the risk reward value is is too high. For and me. It's like wingsuit is a very very specific and a very small number of people doing it. Yes. Like I think the difference between paragliding and wingsuiting is sort of like you saying like someone being like oh like I want to go like hike up to the top of Mount Dana and you're like uh, I might hike to the top of Mount Dana but 
I would be more likely to do that than I would be to climb Mount Everest. Like, that's the <laughs> level of difference we're talking about here. So wingsuiting is Everest, and paragliding is, like, climbing to Mount Dana. Much, yeah, very much so. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a huge difference. Yeah, I get, I get you, I get you. I, uh, okay, moving on. I, that, we'll just drop it there. I got, I got nothing. I'm just <laughs> going on from that. But I, did, I was worried about the Dean Potter thing, and, and I will... I, I I actually I, I might I might back off a little bit and say that Mount Dana is perhaps a little too extreme in comparison to Everest to to get those. So you're talking about like Mission Peak. Yeah, yeah, Mission Peak and in, in and the Everest. Bay Area and Everest. <laughs> That's you know one is paragliding, the other is wingsuiting. It's like really really different. Okay. Okay. Um. Still, it was it was cool, uh, but the, the, my the issue that I had in this space is and like, that was weird. By the way, what do you mean? I've not had anyone launch their paragliding outfit from near where I was climbing before. Okay. Well, maybe you'll see that more this week. You'll have to let me know. Uh, just as a heads up, I am as soon as we're done with this, uh, wait for waiting for some people to get back, and then I'm gonna take off and drive uh, at per Evan's recommendation to go see. Uh, Great Basin uh, for sunrise tomorrow. Really excited about that. And then I'm I'm driving home. Evan, you're out here for the rest of the week, so you're gonna have to tell me what else you what else you see out here. Is there anything else that you're like really super stoked? Like you would consider it a failure if you don't get it all get on it this week? No, I'm just happy to be out here, not at work, and gonna climb on some rock. Like I don't I don't have any particular agenda. I want to get on some sport climbs. Uh, if we do some multi pitch climbing at some point, that'll be cool. But it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope, hope there's some dry rock at some point this week and we get to climb on it. Sounds exciting. Kind of excited. Um, you know, I didn't really think about it when I was planning this trip that it's going to be a long weekend here. Yeah. And so there's like kind of a, a few people out this weekend and I'm glad that they're going to be leaving and I'm going to have the rest of like the work week to, to do some climbing and yep, you're going to, I'm have, gone. Have kind of empty empty crags yeah i think you're gonna have a blast i think you uh you and our other friend are gonna be here for, we're gonna be here for the whole week we're gonna have a great week yeah i'm excited. jealous i'm excited i think it's gonna be great for you guys um yeah so so this this is me to another thing what is i bought the wrong book for this area i bought like the utah falcon guide which does have some stuff but not much what is the right book for this area well, it depends on what you're going to do. Um, we're operating off of the Limestone Bible, which is basically uh, all the limestone sport crags around St. George. So Virgin River Gorge and then the Utah Hills and then the Hurricane Cave, all that kind of stuff. Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Utah book that you got will be like kind of all throughout Utah. Yeah, I mean, I went in there and I looked for something, but I couldn't. Like this was the book that they had that covered the area that I was looking for, south, southwestern Utah. Yeah, they may there may be other ones. They may have been out, but this is this is what I had. Yeah, the the limestone Bible is a newer release and covers like a lot of like recent development. Like the nice. Hurricane Cave, I believe, has been developed in like the last like five or six years. It looked pretty new. Yeah, it looked yeah. like all the gear was relatively new. Yeah. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Um, okay, so limestone Bible. That's what I need to look for next time I come up this way. I don't know. I mean, like it's it's really only if you're trying to do like limestone sport climbing. Uh yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly it, this 
I needed to get away. I just spent um, so I, I spent a, a week and a half in Paris, and, and like it's funny to me that you're like, gonna make this statement. Like, I just spent a long time vacationing in Europe, and then I needed to get away. Pretty much, yeah. I spent a long time. I needed to get away for my getaway. I I did. I spent a long time in in uh, you know cities, and and when you go to Europe and you spend time in cities, like it's it's very developed. Like the cities are ancient; they've been around way longer than U.S. cities, and so there's a lot of development. And so you're in a concrete jungle, and and they were beautiful. Like I I speak a little bit of French, and it was fantastic to go to France and speak French with the French. Um, I went and saw some really great friends of mine in London and the food there was spectacular and we went to Amsterdam and had a fantastic time and then back to Paris. It was great. It was all very great and I got to see some really good stuff. But, um, you know, I'm a man of two sides. I, I would say that I have my city side or my, I would say overly sophisticated, like unnecessarily sophisticated side. And then I have, like, the side that's trying to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more zen. And, um, you know, that's what this is. And I needed I needed to get away from the city. I needed to get away from work. And thankfully, I had a three-day weekend, and I'm out driving, you know, the Southwest, which is, you know, most of it this weekend is going to be driving, but it's therapeutic for me, and I get to see some amazing things. The drive was gorgeous coming out here, and I cannot wait for the drive going back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I do try and schedule my driving, though, around the sun. So, like, I do like to drive when it's light out, so I will try and sleep when it's dark. Like, that's my one thing. Fair enough. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to bust out and try to catch the sunrise at, at uh, Great Basin National Park. That's huh? my plan, yeah. yeah. Sounds try, good to me. Try and get up there, try and see how that's going. But, yeah, I excited to get back into the climbing world excited to do this episode this episode is long overdue we were going to do one on climbing in france and then didn't go but i think in our conversation last night in my uh whiskey drunken stupor i said i'm going to take you to france we're going to go climb i have miles so <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to go to we're going to go to france and go climb font bleu uh, i guess so because i like saying that word so much i guess so in the fall uh fall season we'll figure it out i don't i mean it may be yeah, I mean, fall. Fall Next be good. Year. Fall. Fall may be good. Fall may be a good time. Figure it out. I'm taking uh, the summer off this year to go, or at least a month off this summer, to go live in Rhode Island, which is where you're from. So that'll be fun. That uh, will be fun. And funny. And ironic. Will it? I think it's ironic that I'm sitting in the car with a guy who I do an episode with, and I'm like, I can't wait to go to Rhode Island. And you're like, I'm so glad I got the hell out of there type thing. I... No, I'm not glad I got the hell out of there. I just I like it better here. I think you you found your coast. You found your space. Yeah. I'm not sure I will ever find a space, but I'm I'm excited about the possibility that Rhode Island may be more of a space for me. Okay. Um, but it's gonna be fun to be there this summer. I'm gonna go sailing a lot. I'm gonna maybe try and climb in New Hampshire if that's where the climbing is. Um, There's climbing in New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Maine. Yeah. Maine's gorgeous. All those places. Yeah, I'm bringing the van out there, so I'm going to drive out and then figure it all out. Um, so anyways, that sounds like a, you know, I'm excited about that. This was a great trip. This is good. That's why I needed a vacation for my vacation. And so far, this vacation has been perfect. I've done exactly what I needed to do. Came out here doing a little bit of cooking. Not really. Mostly made a salad. Um, Salads are good. 
and then you know just spending some time in the van. My, my so it's funny because my little brother loves. Uh, we ha- he helped me kind of set up the van and get started on this trip, or this whole project of the van, and um, he kind of lives vicariously through it. So he loves the photos that I take. So I have a Instagram, and I'm really excited to try and get more pictures for him for the Instagram. So this has been a great great trip for that. I've got I think I have three or four more that I can still use for that. So I think he'll be excited. I'll try and take some more tomorrow. Cool. Um, Is there anything you're excited about taking a picture of on the way back? Well, I, are you going to go to Great Basin National Park? Yes. And then go to Great Basin. No. Bakery. Oh. oh uh, is that what it's called? Is it called Great Basin? Is it not? I. Is it? It might be. It might be. Yeah. So there's a bakery. I. Uh, Think about the bakery. Say its name. It could be Great Basin. Yeah, I I uh, I'll have to look it up. I, they have this vegan chocolate chip cookie that I just I love, and I'm so I'm, I'm not gonna eat more than one though because I want to diet. But you should take a picture of yourself at Great Basin National Park, and then give it to the people at Great Basin Bakery and say, "Hey, listen, Bishop, say I was thinking about be you." Like, hey, I was here this morning. Yeah, yeah. So the you should get both photos. I. Great Basin National Park, Great Basin National Cookie. If you know, if I do that, I'll put it up on the blog. For our, I redid the blog for our website, like uh-huh. for our podcast. It's not really up to date. There's not really anything good there. Uh, and I was hoping to get pictures of you climbing on this trip, but that didn't happen. So I will have to find a way to get pictures of you climbing the gym or something somehow. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, excited to go to Great Basin. I've never been there. I have the secret dream of visiting all the national parks. So I got to check off Zion today. I was hoping to maybe convince you to do Bryce, but uh, it was too far and uh, it was closed. Yeah, it was been a little far. Yep. But so there's, I'll have to come back and do Bryce. Uh, what was the other thing that we we tried to hunt down? Let's put this. Let's put this on the record so I can remember about it next time. The wave. The wave. Where is that again? Uh, it's just over the border into Arizona, northern Arizona. Okay. What's the name of the place? The wave, but there was another name. There Coyote Buttes. Were, Coyote Buttes. Is that the name of what we were looking for? Yes. You made me look something. I don't think that was it. There was like a P in it. Paria. Paria. Yeah, you had me looking up Paria to see if we could get permits. So apparently, there's this gorgeous little backcountry area that they only allow ten people in at a time, or per day. So you have to get a permit, and the permit lottery was on Friday, so we missed our chance to get a permit lottery. But it's this gorgeous. Uh, this gorgeous like little what type of rock is that is that also sandstone sandstone for sure yeah so this gorgeous little sandstone area where the you know it's kind of been untouched and it's just beautiful um they may, they wanted me to watch a 17 minute video this morning before I signed up for the permit um didn't have time but it it looks pretty I'd like to come back and do that so I'll come back and do that and do Bryce maybe this summer uh but yeah I'm pretty. looking up uh climbing routes in Zion cause you were asking if there was stuff that was uh, right for you to do oh yeah so uh easiest route so there's a uh, something called led by sheep okay four pitches 800 feet five seven seven woohoo I could come back and do that I need to build up my trad rack but yeah I don't think it's anywhere near where we were though you uh, think it's the northern part you think you have to go through and come in the top uh it says eastern side it's like I don't know where we were. But uh, like I said, a lot of those, like I was telling you that I thought there would be some that would be like uh, 5.8, but with trad. 
or, or with aid. aid. Yeah. yeah. So there's like the Moonlight Buttress uh, with clean aid is 5 8. You can do 5 8 and then aid the rest of it. But Moonlight Buttress is 5 8? If you aid all the shit that's hard. Okay. If you don't aid the shit that's hard, uh, it goes doesn't, a lot harder. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have a rating. Okay. Uh, this is just so we're clear. Moonlight Buttress is what uh, Alex Honnold's free soloed, right? One of his first. Uh, no, not one of his first, but I believe it is something that he's done. It's it, looking at that rock. That stuff is scary to think of somebody free soloing it. Um, that man is audacious. He is. Yeah, that's the word I would use. And he's also very, uh, very solid when he climbs. Yeah. I, I mean, you have to be in order to yeah. be that consistent. Um, let's see. I I don't have much else to talk about. Is there anything else you want to you want to add? We're, we're a little short on time compared to how long we normally run, but seeing as this is like a vacation episode, we're getting back into it. Yeah. I'm okay kind of capping it. Sounds so, good to so, me. I so, mean, we didn't have any, like, topics that we brought into it other than just shooting the crap about what's going on. In Utah, yeah. Uh, we'll tr- try and do another episode sooner than we did the last one. Which is, all- is this Utah, anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I always, whenever I, th- so, I've got two Utah stories and then we're done. The first Utah story is I drove across the country in 2007 uh, when I moved out to California. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was coming. I bought it. Or I rented a Penske truck, put everything in the Penske truck, drove across the country, stayed with my grand, uh, stayed with my aunt, and my uncle in Colorado, for a couple of days until I like forced my way out. Like I had to jailbreak my way out of there. My aunt like wanted to keep me there forever, uh, but I got out of there and I got over. And I'm I was fairly convinced that I was going to go from Colorado to Nevada, and forgot that Utah existed. And uh, so I did 70 across Utah, and it was one of the most beautiful drives I've ever done in my life. It's gorgeous. It's unbelievable. The state is really very pretty. The rock formations are gorgeous. The country is great. But so anyways, that's my one Utah story. And then the other Utah story is, didn't didn't uh, Broken Arrow with, like, um, John Travolta, the first time he ever really played a bad guy, didn't that take place? Like, didn't they fly over Utah? I don't know. Oh, okay. I've seen the movie, but I do not remember it. There is a famous Villanovan in that movie. By the way, for those of you who don't know, I went to Villanova. I'm very proud of it. We are national champions of basketball. Um, but Howie Long. Howie Long is in that movie. I don't oh, know how yes. many other movies he's in, but he's in that movie. And uh, he went to Villanova. Very proud to, to have Howie Long in that film, even though he's a bad guy. But anyways, those are my two Utah stories. Even though the second one was more about Villanova than Utah. That's true. That was very little about Utah, actually. I'm pretty sure, like, they're flying over Utah, and that's where they drop the, the thing, and they have to, like, go through the canyons. And it looks like it could be from here. This is very pretty. Um, great. You want to do our outro? I'm 215. 215? 216, if you really want to be more pedantic. 216. 216. All right. The South Beta Podcast, 400 pounds of rock climbing power. Really? Yes. You're doing well, man. Yeah. Congratulations. All right. We're out. I'm going to do one knee slap. And uh, until next time, guys, thanks.